You're listening to the Driven by Design Now Awards. I'm Mark Bergen, the founder of Driven by Design. Joining me is Kirsten Mand. Hey, Mark. How's it going? Not bad. Kirsten, are we still Aconex? Are we Aconex, uh, Oracle? What are we at the moment? We are still Oracle and Aconex. Fantastic. Well, I'm sure somewhere down the track, maybe it's the end of the financial year in Australia, 1st of June maybe. or 1st of July, yeah, maybe. maybe. Yeah. Listeners, you're going to have to stand by and watch there. This is this is more exciting than going and watching, you know, a, a tiebreaker, really, isn't it? So you've been traveling around, you've been going to events. There's been a few events. Like last night, actually, was the Australian Construction Achievement Awards. So it's the ACAA. You would have wanted to say that after a few well, drinks, uh, would you? Look, you're telling the story here. Yeah. Say there was some incredible projects that were featured. Um, Oracle and Aconex were a sponsor along with a number of other companies, but really there was things that there were a lot of highways. It makes you realise a lot of highways are being built around Australia. Yep. But one of the exciting projects was actually the Macquarie um, Rapid Build Prison, and that was by Hanson Youngkin. And it was this it was a prison that was built in New South Wales in a year where previously they would take four years high security, but it was also with a human-centered design aspect to it. So they'd actually considered what would the life and mentality of the prisoners be living in this facility. So it's gone from woeful to tolerable, is well, that it? Well, people were like, I think I could actually live there, which I don't know is that the outcome you necessarily want. Were they taking really... applications? You know, it's like, uh, you know... Uh, if you're going to get parking tickets or yeah, something, uh, you can do it in yeah, New South okay. Wales. Crimes against con construction now. Actually, there's often many people in the construction industry that wind up in prison, aren't there? But that's another story. I have no idea. You wouldn't know anybody. No, I wouldn't know that. But you've been travelling round everywhere oh my god i have had five weeks on a world tour and going through all of our cities going and uh, we did a bunch of uh, judging while i was on the road so the mm -hmm. melbourne design awards some of the sydney design awards judging was done the one that seemed fascinating was somewhere i haven't gone ever oh, iceland iceland and reykjavik wow now listeners if you haven't yet been to iceland and reykjavik Please take yourself there very soon. Mm -hmm. um, it's an incredible experience. But but what impressed me was this this bunch of designers that I that I met there. We, I did a, an event on the Thursday night just as I got off the plane, and they blew my head. Like wow. they just blew me away. It's hard to blow you away. I as know. Well. And and then a couple of days later, I got to New York and I was having having dinner with a couple of designer friends and I said, these people that I met in Iceland, it's like they reached into my soul and they just messed it up and I'm, I'm, I'm all disturbed. That's fantastic though. It, well, it was yeah. because I knew that I'd witnessed something, but I couldn't explain it. And what was it? Have you been able to articulate it now? Yeah, it, it took me about a week to get around to actually bring some language to it. Mm -hmm. and, it and it revolves around this term that uh, uh, that the Icelandic people have, which is called pederadast. Right, I, which I've never heard of before. Yeah. And pederadast is, it's what a parent would say to a child to comfort them. Yeah, mm -hmm. It will work out. It will work out. It's a nice saying, isn't it? Yeah, and so when they had the GFC and the crash occurred, there was some people who were cynical, were saying, oh, it will work out was why we got in the mess. Mm -hmm. But it's actually, pederadast is the, um, the confidence and the cultural side that's helped them go from being a basket case of effectively defaulting on, on their loans at a national level. This so is one bank. They're quite an affluent economy now, and aren't now, they? And now they're sitting somewhere between Australia and the United States in earnings of wow. uh, you know, GDP. That's a pretty earnings. significant turnaround. And in that process, 
they had to go actually be um, responsive, they had to be resilient, and they had to be resourceful on how do we as a small community do things in our mutual benefit that actually looks after our life. And, and the stories that I got from uh, the lady that I was airbnb with and she was telling me she almost lost her house because of the bank collapse and then how she responded to that and what, uh, what she did, awesome. And you go, that is really human-centered design, the way that she found new markets, new mm -hmm. opportunities. The um, service designers, the industrial designers, and then there was also a fashion designer who got in and messed in, messed in my head because they've got a thing going on in Iceland which is, uh, it's, an, it's an unfortunate name, but it's referred to as slow fashion. Right. So all the things that are broken and wrong with fashion, which is, you know, so that we can sell you the next garment, we're going to put a different colour on a, on a model, which will then tell you that you're out of style and then make you go buy the new the model, new yep. which actually is bullying behaviour. You know, that is the bullying of the customers. They've worked out how to go and make these garments that actually have long lifespans life without calling them basics. They are just awesome, beautiful garments. They're made out of magnificent materials. There's something that, you know, I'm, I'm not a fashion guy, you know me, but I understood how they were bringing a human-centered design focus. The elegance, the grace, you're just going, this is astounding. Let me guess, there was black. <laughs> there was a bit of black, but there was also, but there was, there was reds and there were yellows and, and they were able to actually express the female form without having to go into the um, uh, showing flesh. And I'm going, that's interesting. Wow. And, and, there, and there was actually a couple of photos I saw of some of these outfits where a person was beginning to try to, you know, sex it up and get a bit of flesh out and the whole outfit fell apart because they're just beautiful, graceful outfits that celebrate the woman that's there. And I think that's fantastic to go see that human-centered side of fashion coming through. We'll have more about this because I've still not resolved. I think, we, I think you could have done a whole podcast on this just quietly. I probably could have, but then that's not what we're about. We've, we've got five awesome projects we need to get through. That's, that's a lot. Well, well, it's not, I suppose we've taken so much time talking about Iceland, but um, we will be talking more about a massive project that we've got that we're building up in Iceland. A bit early to say what it is, but listeners, May 2020, make sure that you're in Iceland, that you've worked out your holidays. We'll tell you more details, but it's coming up. It's it huge. Exciting. It's awesome. But let's go get into our first project here. We're going to Boston Dynamics. Well, Spot Mini, I think, is our first project. Now, when I first saw the video of this, um, which is on the site, I, it was a bit creepy, i got to say. Mm -hmm. I looked at it and I thought, oh, this is, it's a robot, which is um, like basically imitating a, a pet, like a dog. And it's, it's this kind of, it's four times smaller than the original spot that they did. And it's really designed to help people in office spaces and in homes. And it's actually commercially available in 2019. So we're not talking about something futuristic here. We're talking about something that has been commercialized and it's productizing robots. And it's pretty scary in terms of the advancements there. Yeah, and I suppose what's, what's scary is because We've seen some things like Black Mirror that have turned around and shown us the uh, dystopian side. Mm -hmm. But we also know there's a dy dystopian side on a whole range of things. Yeah. But 
I was very fortunate. I had dinner with a mutual friend of ours uh, the other night, uh, Harriet Wagelum, and she, she turned around and she said, the issue with Spot Mini is not a technology and design issue. It's a governance issue. Completely. And so that, that's interesting to me because what it's forcing us by bringing it, at, so it's coming out of military applications into domestic and commercial applications, we now need to bring that governance overlay in there. It's also the, I remember um, George for Paul um, for Paul's Fest in 2017 had a whole social design stream. Mm -hmm. And this is what we're talking about here, that it's not just about considering human-centred design and everything, it's the social implications that go with design as well. And exactly what you're talking about is what you would need to consider here is the governance around this. So on my, on my tour, we were doing design executive briefings in, in all the cities, and one of the briefings was in uh, Berlin. We had a guy who's an industrial designer doing his master's around medical devices. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about the 4D printing project that we had in the awards a, a couple of months ago. And if we talked about that project and it was going into a fat cat Wall Street banker who was going and getting a heart um, reprinted, nobody liked the project. When we talked about it in the scope of the grandchildren and we began to talk about a child that was born with a hole in its heart, mm. so it was an implementation failure, the hole in the heart, not a DNA failure. And so that we would be able to go and print a a properly implemented heart, put that into the into the child so they would not have impaired health for the rest mm. of their life, that they would not have to be on anti-rejection um, drugs the whole of their life. All of a sudden everyone's like, well, how do we bring this technology yeah. and how do we go bring these systems that have been built around, around implementing that into the market faster. So you think when you're thinking of this, it's the application again. It is. And it's for people, people forget that there's a lot of people who have mobility issues that are stuck at, in their houses and not able to get assistance. And this is, this is where this type of technology is amazing. I have a good friend who's, had, um, who's been in a wheelchair his whole life. He has carers to help them support him. And if I go look for, for him, this actually means that the hours that the carer is sleeping, mm. the hours that the carer has a life, because carers are also people, mm -hmm. they're not robots, that, that the carer actually can then actually be providing high function, high value, yep. and some of these rudimentary things that the support um, robot could be doing. And we need to see it in the market, and we need to see people who are coming up with software applications, applied applications, and we need to understand it. I think it's really brave of the team at Boston Dynamics to actually bring this out productized, and it's going to be deliver far, delivered faster than many of the Kickstarter program, projects that are out there. So get excited about it because you should be starting to think about purchasing it, particularly if you're in things like aged care or if you're in hazardous materials. What? Mind you, I think we'll just see it in a lot of startups walking around, keep coming and bringing people coffees and things, right? So that, that means it's going to be then it'll um, greet the Uber Eats driver at the door yeah. and then walk the food <laughs> through the office and pick up the ping pong balls. Exactly, okay. exactly. Well, so we're off to Madison Square Garden company. Okay. So Madison Square Garden, MSG um, uh, sphere in London. The Madison Square Gardens company have worked out that there's only one Madison Square Garden and they want to grow. What makes this fantastic is of uh, this Madison Square Garden project is that it's a, it's a significant piece of infrastructure but it doesn't look like yesterday 
It looks like I'm in Blade Runner 2049. Oh, it's got very futuristic written all over it, hasn't it? It does. And, but this, what I love about this is that they've said, right, in urban dense places, there's only so much space available. How can we repurpose this space for other means? And so they're looking at how they can do these amazing venues in areas that are already heavily populated, but put a totally different spin that gives it something else that that area hasn't got. Mm. And, you know, so what we've got now is that from a CAD perspective, we can go put this in the design suite, we can get it worked out. It can then go through and have all of the um, uh, building engineering side worked out. But the area that let it down was how do we implement that? And I think that's where we're now seeing whether it's your software mm. um, that's helping from AconX or whether it's actually other people's support systems. Our capacity to go deliver them on time, on spec, sometimes even ahead of, of the time frame is astounding. And so what's important there is that we actually start to see people's imagination go crazy. And oh, that's what, that, this that's is, what I'm This saying. is what it is, right? Like this is kind of, when you see a project like this and you've got a fantastic video on your site, it makes you start to think of the possibilities. And what I love about this is they're really doing the stress testing of something like this through software, yeah. which is where you want to do it, right? You don't want to have to do expensive builds and then discover what this isn't going to work. Yep. So I'm going to move on to our next project here, which is the robotic ski exoskeleton. I'm, I'm not a skier, so when I eventually, originally saw this, I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe this would help me ski, right? That was my initial impression, but it's not about that. It's actually enabling tech, which is another whole area that we haven't really spent a lot of time talking about. Yeah, and so, so we've seen exoskeletons in the market around the world over the last five years generally in military applications. Mm -hmm. And actually, Spot Mini is a yep. derivative of that because it was originally um, the Spot family came out from being payload bearers for military equipment. So they'd accompany troops and so they didn't have to carry the loads. So that's an example of how do you extend capability of yep. people, right? And that's exactly what they've done with this device. Now, we had one of our team members who looked at this project and we got a bit of a negative from them right. because they're actually a really good skier. And I didn't exactly understand the, the negative response that came out from them. Mm -hmm. But I think it might have been, is his ski slope going to be polluted by people who don't know how to ski? Right, okay. <laughs> like me. <laughs> uh, yeah. so, so, th so there's that aspect to it. But there's also, um, you know, as we get older, we need something that helps range extend. Mm. This does that. If we are actually an, a proficient skier and we've had an injury, we need something that actually loads sheds but still allows us to go train. Mm. What really impresses me here is that if you think of a strategy of implementing a product in the market, mm -hmm. if you go into the disruptive theory, it's actually you come up with a commoditized product. But with Tesla, we saw that they went in with the luxury product to start off with, and then they could come down yeah, as the efficiencies guys. came into yeah. the marketplace. I think this is beautiful what the team at Rome have done here. Um, it, it will be controversial for some people. It will be life-changing and enabling for others. And I think that's, that they're the people who have the use case, mm. are the people who are going to be life-changing. If a couple of people have got their, you know, their own opinion about whether you should or shouldn't have an exoskeleton, oh, you know, get over yourself. <laughs> Just get into actually saying, isn't it great to see people have now had enablement to go do something and join me 
in a joint pursuit. They're going to be in the bar, they'll be drinking, talking about what heroes they were, whether they were an, exos an exoskeleton or not. Exactly. <laughs> so where are we off to? We're now off to Phillips and Li-Fi. We are. Now, I love this, and I think this is a term we're going to hear a lot more about over the next couple of years, which is Li-Fi, right? And think about it, 10 years ago, Wi-Fi wasn't common vocab everywhere. It was coming out in places and things like that. There wasn't an expectation around it that there is now. Yeah, and, and so one of the reasons that this project really stood out to me as being extraordinary is Philips don't put products in market that uh, are not robust. And it was only you know about five years ago that we saw the idea of burst communications, these massive payloads of data being able to come down in a burst. That's part of the technology here. We've also seen the idea of light transmission was only a couple of years ago. Mm. And so we've gone from those research labs considerations into marketable you know, products that's ready to be rolled out in corporate environments. And you go, this is astounding how rapid it's happened. It is incredible. Like the learning, the iterations and learning cycle around this and the speed, look, it's innovation, right? This is where it, you're really seeing an example here. And Philips, I mean, just the whole, there's not a dependency on radio frequencies. So just the thinking of where this can be applied, is it's, it's just enormous, the potential. And what I think is, as you said earlier, with Philips, is straight away, you know there's going to be a robustness to this already, the fact that they, what they've done with it. And then similar to as we saw with um, Philips and their Hue light bulbs, mm -hmm. the fact that they were actually building the new category meant that then some other challenger brands like mm -hmm. Lifex were able to come through and that now Lifex are actually, they're getting this challenger benefit that's come out because Philips are there. But it's always difficult to grow a category by yourself. Yep. And sometimes you need a couple of people to come along with you. You probably hate each other, but you actually you're, you've got a mutual interest, which is we're going to grow a category. There'll be some challenges to Li-Fi, but it's great to go see the completeness of the Philips product that's here. And, uh, and tell it, me when you got it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a term we're going to hear much more frequently over the next couple of years, Li-Fi. Yep. So now we're coming up to our most awesomeness project of the month. We are. And you're, I've got to say, you're probably a bit more excited about this. But the because I was I burnt out on the Li-Fi thing, that's where I lost my excitement. Yeah, listeners, we've, <laughs> uh, Kirsten and I had a, a little bit of a disagreement here. She was saying that Li-Fi should have taken it out. But um, uh, I, when I went and looked at it, I gazumped as a chairman and said, Grow Arctic Growing Systems, which is all about how do you go put fresh food, freshly grown food, into Arctic environments for Inuit people. That's the target audience. And look, it's, I've got to agree with you in the sense that it's a fantastic example of viewing an ecosystem and doing system design end-to-end, -end, right? Because you're actually looking at something that is enabling community to be self-sufficient and create employment. So they're doing this full cycle of design. And that's, it's a hard gig to do that, right? It is incredibly difficult. And then if you go into, you know, I feel like the guy who's watching Olympic diving, I'm now a bit of an expert because I've been to Reykjavik for a couple of days. But if you go into environments like Iceland or Greenland, where they are now 100% sustainable energy, mm -hmm. then this system here actually is far more beneficial to, to those communities because there aren't the carbon miles mm -hmm. of actually driving all the fresh food from Spain. Yeah? Yep. What it's also doing is it's creating employment and more importantly, 
It's giving people autonomy from the outside community in a way that they normally don't have. Well, and it's also just things like use, and we talked about this with the stadiums earlier, that with something like this, you can use disused spaces, right? And basically, so suddenly you're getting um, economies happening in areas that might never have had that before and or have been forgotten about as well. So there's so many, and I think your term that you use a couple of times is intergenerational changes. Yep. This is the perfect example of this. And, and so what, what I think is interesting with this is you're gonna have the, the current generation are gonna have all the where's and why for us why this doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And I wanna just reflect on that intergenerational side. I, I um, used to um, have a family in Sweden, a, a lady I married there, and what was interesting was her father grew up with horse and cart and he was, it was very, very basic living. Wow. His diet was potatoes and herring. And then I saw him from about the age of 70 onwards where he began to really appreciate green vegetables. Now his two daughters, they were actually into a much more balanced diet and then his grandchildren where they had no idea that potatoes and herring was called a stable diet. Right. <laughs> okay, so, you, so you've got this, mm. uh, in that grandparent scope, two generations, you mm. have complete dietary change. And I think that's what we're likely to go see here for, the, for these people in remote and rural communities. And if we can go do it in the Arctic, we can also do it on Mars. So yeah, there's another one, that's an, true. another it's, step. I can see why you're excited. Though. Well, I don't think I'm going to get to Mars. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and uh, but you need some of that that Finland ice look. I see. What is the um the optimism? Oh, it will be okay. It'll work out. <laughs> it yeah. will work out. So, actually, I think if they send me to Mars, their um, evaluation criteria may may not be that high. I think there's probably some people who could do better in Mars. I'll go do my role here on Earth. Yep. And and I'll just talk about how fantastic all the design is on Mars. Listeners, that, that's our five projects. Um, it's really great. This is our fourth time that we've done the NOW Awards. And we've actually worked out how do we release all of this. So over the coming, what we're going to have is these first five projects coming out now. And then the rest of the projects that have been awarded will come out each day for the rest of the month so that you're getting a continual feed of insights and astounding, extraordinary projects in there. And Kirsten, as always, thank you for giving me a hand. Thank you for having me. I, I, you still put up with me, it's fantastic. Oh, look, if, <laughs> if, if it's called putting up, then I'm a fortunate man. Listeners, <laughs> um, as always, uh, be driven by design and uh, please keep giving us the feedback that we're getting and also suggesting projects to us. We always need input. Thank you for your time. Thanks, guys.